Welcome back to our study of eschatology. This is eschatology session number six, and we are focusing today on the resurrection of the dead. We have moved to cosmic eschatology, that is what is going to happen to the cosmos, the whole universe, at the end or uh, during the, the times of the last things, which is what eschatology refers to. And so last time we talked about the return of Christ and some of the fundamental things that the Bible teaches us about Christ's return. And today we're following that up with what the Bible says about the resurrection of the dead. And there's a really good reason why we do that. And that is that the Bible tells us that the resurrection is tied to Christ's return. So most Christians, I think, would agree with this basic sequence uh, for uh, what's going to happen at the end, and that is Christ is going to return, the dead are going to be raised, and then there's going to be a final judgment. Now, there's some disagreement and maybe even some confusion uh, comes in when we try to fit the millennium into that picture. Um, and we'll talk at another time about the different views of the millennium and, and how that uh, you know, relates to our, our views of some of the details surrounding the end times. But the basic idea of Jesus coming back, the dead being raised, and the final judgment taking place, that basic sequence, um, again, if you take out the, the millennium and some of the details and just sort of remove that from the equation for a moment, it, that we pretty much agree on uh, what's going to happen, that Jesus is going to come back, that the dead are going to be raised, and that there's going to be a final judgment. The Bible says that um, the, the resurrection of the dead is going to happen at the return of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 15, 22 and 23, it says, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. So Jesus is going to come back, right? And when he comes back, that is when those who belong to Christ are going to be raised. Jesus was raised already as the first fruits. Those who are in Christ, those who belong to Christ, believers, are going to be raised at his coming. 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 to 18 says, For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the thing to key in on there is the Lord himself will descend from heaven. That's talking about the return of Christ. And the dead in Christ will rise first, he says. So when Jesus descends from heaven, the dead in Christ, believers who have died, will rise. Then, he says, we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So, very clearly, two places, the Bible connects the return of Christ to the resurrection of believers. That's when it's going to happen. Now, who is going to be raised? Well, of course, as we just saw, believers are going to be raised. And you may have noticed that in 1 Thessalonians 4, it talks about um, believers who are 
living as well as those who have dead or who have died uh, being a part of this moment of resurrection now of course those who haven't died their experience of this is going to be not technically what we would call resurrection right because they haven't died but they will likewise have their bodies transformed at the return of Christ so he says the dead in Christ will rise first, those believers who have already died before Jesus' return. And then he says, we who are alive will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So, uh, and Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that he says, I tell you a mystery, brothers, we shall not all sleep or die, but we shall all be changed. So believers who are alive when Jesus comes back, their bodies will be transformed just like somebody who's been raised from the dead we just may not call it resurrection because you didn't die first in order to need to be raised from the dead. But the same transformation of your body will take place whether you have died uh, or remain alive at Christ's return. But something we don't often notice that the Bible also teaches quite plainly is that non-Christians will be raised from the dead too. Unbelievers will also experience a bodily resurrection. Now, the result of their resurrection is not the same. They're not being raised to live in the presence of God. They're being raised to experience judgment, but they will nonetheless be bodily raised from the dead. Listen to uh, Daniel 12. This is from the Old Testament. Daniel 12, 2 says, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Remember that sleep in the Bible is often a euphemism for death. And so those who sleep in the dust of the earth, that's those who's, who have died and their bodies have returned to the dust, they will awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Now, this is not talking about their spirits going into a place of everlasting life or a place of shame and contempt because that would happen immediately upon their death, right? As we talked about in the intermediate state. This is talking about the final state. They've gone to sleep in the dust of the earth, their bodies have, and now their bodies are going to awake that's resurrection, right? And some are going to awake to everlasting life, believers, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. That's unbelievers. Jesus says the same thing in John 5, 28 and 29. He says, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. All who have died will be raised, in other words. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of life of judgment. So everybody is going to be raised and those who have done good, they're going to be raised to life, everlasting life, and those who have done evil are going to be raised to judgment. Now this is not teaching uh, salvation by works, right? Um, it's teaching the same thing that Matthew 25 teaches in the parable of the sheep and the goats. It's saying that your faith is manifested in your good works or your lack of faith, your unbelief is manifested in your wicked works. And so those who have done good are those who have believed and they are raised to everlasting life. And those who um, have done what is uh, evil, they are, those in this context are unbelievers, those who have not repented and have their, well, they've all done evil things. These are those who have not had their evil deeds forgiven and they are raised to a resurrection of judgment. Paul also says this in Acts 24 when he's standing before Felix on trial. He says, but this I confess to you that according to the way which they call a sect, an offshoot, 
I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets, having a hope in God, which these men themselves accept, that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust, meaning the righteous and the unrighteous, the the saved and the lost. So the Bible says everyone is going to be raised from the dead. There's going to be no exceptions. Revelation 20 also seems to be talking about a resurrection from the dead when it describes the final judgment in verses 12 and 13. And it says, And I saw the dead, great and small, so everybody, nobody's exempt, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Now, we'll probably come back to that, I think, next time to talk about uh, the final judgment. But for now, we want to notice that all the dead are being given up so that they can appear before the judgment seat. And what is that describing? It appears to be describing resurrection. Because why would the sea need to give up a spirit? The sea doesn't need to give up your spirit. The sea is giving up the bodies of those who have died at sea. And so this is describing, again, in in accordance with what the rest of the Bible has been saying, that believers and unbelievers alike will be raised and unbelievers need to be raised in order to appear bodily uh, for judgment. So um, that's what that seems to be talking about there. Now, um, we've hinted at this a couple of times, but there's one more thing we need to be really clear about, and that is that resurrection is a bodily event. It is a physical event. We will be raised bodily from the dead. This is also very clear in Scripture. When we talk about the resurrection of the dead, we are not talking about a spiritual resurrection in the sense of an immaterial, disembodied experience of resurrection. Now, there is a spiritual resurrection talked about in the Bible. In, for example, Ephesians 2, where it says that uh, though we were dead in our trespasses and sins, we have been made alive together with Christ. That is a raising to life, a spiritual resurrection. That is true and biblical. But there is also an unbiblical idea that says there is no future bodily resurrection, but that resurrection is only spiritual. That is not biblical. That is not true because the Bible teaches plainly that there, uh, first of all, that Jesus was bodily raised from the dead. And second of all, that all who belong to him will also be bodily raised from the dead. Here's Philippians 3, 20 and 21 says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So we're waiting for Jesus to come back. We're awaiting a Savior from heaven. And it's implied there, He's going to come back, and when he comes back, this is what's going to happen. He's going to transform our lowly body, our weak body, to be like his glorious body, his resurrected body. So our bodies are going to be transformed at Christ's return. 1 Corinthians 15, again, the longest chapter dealing with the resurrection deals with the resurrection of Christ himself and with the resurrection of believers. There's a long passage in here about the resurrection of believers, and we can't talk about all of it, but I do want to read a lot of it to you and point out some things that are significant. 
So Philippians, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 35, Paul says, But someone will ask, How are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person, Paul says. Now, let me just pause there and say, um, that can seem perplexing to us. Like, that seems like an honest question, right? How, how are the dead raised? What kind of body do they have? Why is Paul jumping all over this person? He seems mad at them, calls them a foolish person. Well, um, as one scholar pointed out, um, this is, doesn't seem to be a sincere question. It seems to be sort of a scoffing question. Like, a, okay, you say there's a resurrection of the dead. Well, how are the dead raised? I mean, what kind of body do they have? This, this whole idea seems ridiculous to me. And so that's why Paul is rebuking them, saying, you foolish person. He's, he's not upset about an honest question. He's upset about a, a dishonest question, right? So it's a, a hostile question. So he says, you foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. So planting, right, when you plant a seed, it dies, as it were, in the ground, and it springs to life. It comes up, and what comes up out of the ground is not, does not look like what you put in the ground. And Paul's saying that's what the resurrection is like. What you sow in the ground is not the exact same thing that's going to come up. He says, but God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the, of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. Now notice this, he says, what is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. So our resurrection bodies are going to be different in some significant ways from our current bodies. Our current bodies are perishable. They break, they die, they wear out. Our current bodies are sown in dishonor, right? When we die, our bodies don't look like we want them to. Our bodies, when we die, they're sown in weakness, right? Because they have broken, they've given out. But our bodies will be raised imperishable, raised in glory, raised in power. They will be strong. They will be incorruptible. They will be imperishable. They won't wear out. They won't die. They won't break. They will be glorious like Jesus' resurrected body. Then he says, it is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Now, don't let that throw you off, right? Because he's still talking about a body. He's not saying you'll be raised as a spirit without a body. He says it is raised a spiritual body in contrast to a natural body. Now, there are a couple of different ways um, that people have explained this. Um, one is that um, this means a body that is responsive to our spirits, right? Um, the one that's more persuasive to me uh, is that this means a body that is animated by the Holy Spirit, right? that this is a, a body... Um, Again, animated by or, or um, you know, driven by, maybe, um, by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is at, is at work in this new resurrected body, maybe in some ways that he 
hasn't been in our current bodies. He's already dwelling in us, but this body is going to be a spiritual body, a Holy Spirit animated body. Uh, it seems to be what Paul means there, right? And he says, if there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. And he goes on to talk about the contrast between Adam and Christ. And then he says, skipping down <clears throat> quite a bit to verse 53, he says, For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. That is what is going to happen when we are transformed at the return of Christ and we are raised from the dead, or if we're still alive, we're caught up uh, to be with the Lord uh, into the clouds, right? To meet him in the air. So our bodies are going to be transformed. They're going to be imperishable. They're going to be immortal. This is what uh, the New Testament is pointing us toward in terms of our hope and our expectation and our anticipation. The highest hope that the Bible holds out for us is dwelling in the presence of God and seeing His face. That is the climax of the whole Bible. That is the highest hope that the Scripture holds out for us. But very, very near to that is the hope of resurrection. And the reason for that is because we need to be raised from the dead in order to fully dwell in and experience the presence of God in the new heavens and the new earth. We need imperishable bodies, we need glorious bodies, we need transformed bodies so that we can live forever in the presence of God and enjoy His presence to the fullest for all of eternity. So this is our hope. This is our expectation. This is what Jesus' resurrection has secured for us. Our resurrection from the dead at his return, that we might dwell in his presence forever. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. I hope you enjoyed this video. Uh, if you benefited from it, I'd encourage you to share it with somebody. Uh, if you haven't subscribed, I would love it if you subscribe. That way you don't miss any of our videos. Uh, we've got this eschatology series, as well as uh, a series through the book of 1 Kings that we're doing right now, as well as our sermons from the book of Romans. So I uh, would love for you to catch all of those, and I uh, would love for you to share these videos with your friends. Thanks so much, and God bless.